Before we get to today's episode, I want to tell you about a great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. And this is the time to tell you because we've been telling you that the high is going to be opening up on July 19th, putting out this episode on the 18th. I'm going to go out there. The High is putting a brand new spin on a classic Miami experience. They're going to feature unbeatable drink specials, a live DJ, indoor lawn game area, live high lie, and so much more. The High is going to be Miami's newest hotspot on Friday and Saturday nights. Mark your calendars. I've been telling you to do this for a long time. July 19th. Go out to The High, Magic City Casino. We're going to be taping some podcasts out there as the season goes on as well. And now, today's episode. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alvon Sydney, a.k.a. ALF954. Brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. Ethan Skolnick back here at NBA Summer League in Las Vegas for the Five on the Floor podcast on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Got a chance to reconnect with a bunch of writers out here, and one of whom I met when he was actually covering the Chicago Bulls, so he can lend some insight into Jimmy Butler, but also now covers the Portland Trailblazers. For who, Sean? Uh, A lot of Bleacher Report stuff, kind of bouncing all over the place, but I do a lot of stuff for Bleacher Report. Yeah, Sean's been in a bunch of different places. Sean Hyken uh, does great work now covering the Portland Trailblazers. And I want to – we're going to go to Portland in a second because you wrote a piece about Hassan Whiteside that I want to touch on with you. Mm -hmm. But you also covered Jimmy Butler in Chicago, and you covered Jimmy Butler during the good years in Chicago – or they seem like the good years because the team was really competitive, but there was always this tension there. What well, you... I had the three alphas here with Wade. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I think actually, I think the last time I saw you was uh, in Miami for his homecoming game. That's right. I... That's, right. That's right. Well, let's go back before Dwayne because I want to touch yeah. on Dwayne too. Um, but Jimmy, you covered Jimmy during the uh, during the Noah years, during the Rose years, yeah. and during that period of time. And there was always this talk about tension there between Jimmy and between Rose. And then that, that narrative has sort of followed Jimmy now. And it followed Jimmy, obviously, to Minnesota. And now it may follow Jimmy follow Jimmy a little bit to Philadelphia. And now it's sort of following Jimmy. You start to hear the narratives now. It's following him to Miami. Was Jimmy a problem in that locker room? Early on, I don't think so. I mean, because, I mean, the, the, the thing about Jimmy is just early on, like, he was such a quiet guy. And he was so low-key. And especially early on, those first couple of years with Tibbs, he was, like, not playing at all. And then I think it was it was his fourth year in 2014-15 was when he kind of had his breakout year. He was an all-star for the first time. He was most improved. And then uh, I think that's when maybe his status in the league kind of started to change. And I think after that, like, him and Rose never really had any issues personally. Mm-hmm. But it was just kind of a matter of it – was, it was kind of a thing of, like – the team was still kind of constructed as this is Derrick Rose's team because him and Noah and all those guys had been on that 2011 team and they were kind of still the fan favorites. And then meanwhile, Jimmy comes along and suddenly he's, uh, you know, an all-star out of nowhere as a number 30 pick in the draft. And it's just kind of this kind of unprecedented story in terms of his rise from just role player that nobody really thought much of to what he's become now. And I think he kind of rubbed a lot of people the wrong way because mm-hmm. this is actually kind of interesting. I was, I thought about this before because when it, back when I was writing about him, because remember he, uh, Fred Hoiberg's first year, he had mm-hmm. the whole thing where he basically after a loss in New York, he said, Oh, Fred Hoiberg needs to coach us harder. And right. that was like a whole thing. A big thing with Jimmy is if you look at who most of like the top, top stars in the league are, whether it's, you know, LeBron, Anthony Davis, like, mm-hmm any of these, you know, the guys you normally could name, they were all, you know, AAU superstars, number one pick in the draft, high college recruits. Mm -hmm. Jimmy, you know, 
was the when he was uh, in high school, he was the 75th ranked shooting guard in the state of Texas coming wow. out of high school. He was not recruited at all in college. He played two years at JUCO before he got an offer from Marquette and transferred there. And so he doesn't. And so these guys, my my point being, these guys who. Uh, have been basically groomed to be NBA stars since they were 12. Mm -hmm. They kind of also are groomed to for, to for like the leader side and like the people side of it. Whereas Jimmy is a guy who like, he had to work his ass off to get where he is because nobody ever thought he would amount to anything. And then when he got to the level that he's at now where now he's an all-star and all NBA mm -hmm. caliber player, he's looking around. And this is where kind of things went wrong in Minnesota with him and Carl Anthony Towns where he's like, wait, these guys have so much talent. Why don't they work as hard as I do? Because I right. think he doesn't realize that a lot of people don't need to work as hard as he had to work to get to where he was. And so I think he can kind of rub a lot of people the wrong way because he's you know he if you if you don't work as hard as he does he doesn't respect you and nobody works as hard as he does well and i think that's what endeared him to the heat because i think their culture there there's an expectation of that and they want the young players to do that as a player again the personality stuff to me is the most fascinating but as a player like you mentioned his first season he didn't start any games and he played 40 games and he was practically useless when did his game start to turn the corner we started to see, okay, this, I mean, I mean, he was the 30th pick in the draft. Yeah. Like, what, when did you start, when did you start to turn the corner? He's like, okay, not only is this going to be a rotation player for them, but a starter and then a star. Well, I think early on the idea with him was he was going to maybe be like the successor to Luol Deng, where he could become a really good defender and then maybe become a solid scorer as well. Mm -hmm. But it was, so his third year was 20, uh, 13, 14. That was my first year actually in Chicago, and he didn't shoot well that season. And I think it was because during that whole year he was dealing with turf toe. Mm. And then the next year was kind of his breakout all star year, and that was when he started like shooting consistently. He started getting to the basket and getting to the free throw line, and he really just reinvented his offensive game. So it was kind of from there, and then from there he kind of just became a perennial all star and became kind of what he is now. And you mentioned the Dwayne year. Yeah. So for those of us who were not there, we've tried to forget it. Like, that was a fun year. Well, that in Cleveland like didn't happen. Like Dwayne, and by the way, if you're hearing that, we're not in train tracks. We're right by a, a, a door here that keeps slamming. So just ignore that. Sean and I will talk over it. But the the Dwayne year in Chicago, um, it seemed from the outside like it was Jimmy and Dwayne kind of against the world. Is that what it was like inside? 100%. That was, and, the, and, and the big flashpoint, obviously, with it was after this game in, against Atlanta in mm. January. Mm. They, blew, they were up 10 with like two or three minutes to go. They blow the lead. They lose the game. And then afterwards, Dwayne is at his locker, and he says something to the effect of like all these young guys like aren't working hard enough or like they don't want it enough or like they or basically he just like spends 10 minutes just like blasting all those young guys on the team mm. and jimmy is like on the edge of the scrum listening in to what Dwayne is saying and then uh Dwayne, you know then we're done with Dwayne. we go over to jimmy jimmy basically parrots exactly what Dwayne said mm -hmm. and then the next morning rajon rondo puts out an instagram post basically sticking up for the young guys and like saying like, <laughs> saying like my vets would never like throw the young guys under the bus and like he put up a picture of him with like kevin garnett yeah. and Paul, like the, the greatest one championship team of all time oh, the 2008 celtics oh absolutely but so but so like but so then and then, so then from then on like it became like all those young guys denzel valentine bobby portis like all those types of guys Rondo became the guy in that locker room that they just were rallying around because he had their back during that whole thing. And it, it, like you said, it absolutely was. Like, Jimmy and Wade basically didn't really respect anybody except for each other on that team. And those two became very close friends during that year. And that's, I think, a part of why Jimmy ended up wanting to go to Miami because he he like he and Dwayne are still tight. He, he was vacationing in Paris with Dwayne and Gabby. And this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. 
A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. Mello and Lala when he found out he was getting traded to Minnesota. So right. like he's in, he's not, he's not on the banana boat, but he's like banana boat adjacent <laughs> at least. So, so he's like, he's like really tight with that. So I think, so I think Dwayne might've like had a big effect on like selling him on like, Hey, Miami is where you want to be. And I mean, when you look at what his personality is and just like how much of like his reputation is, this is a guy who just works his ass off right. and just like holds everybody to a high standard. You can kind of see how the Pat Riley, Eric Spolstra culture is something that would be appealing. Yeah, and we're going to transition a guy for whom it was not appealing uh, in a second, somebody that you're going to be covering pretty regularly uh-huh. soon. But it's it, fascinating to me because Heat fans hate the whole thing about Wade going to Chicago, and the reality is Jimmy Butler's probably in Miami right now as a result of Dwayne going to Chicago. If that doesn't happen... Jimmy Butler may never end up in, in Miami because it may never have been as appealing to him as it was. All right, let's transition to the other guy I was talking about. You cover the Blazers now. I do. Uh, Hassan Whiteside, I put up a poll after the trade, and my, my, you know, my listeners, my followers, primarily Miami people, 97% to 3% were in favor of that trade. <laughs> well, they've been trying to move him for years, and they just have, like, no, nobody's been able, willing to take that So, contract. So what does Neil Olshay see that the Heat had gotten tired of, but they think it's going to be different up there for them. Well, I think Neil sees it as kind of a talent play, where he's, Mm. like, this Blazers team, they had this incredible season, they made the Western Conference Finals, but, like, I think everybody kind of realizes that them making the Western Conference Finals, a lot of things kind of had to break their way. You know, Paul George's shoulder was really messed up in that Mm. first series against Oklahoma City, and then that Denver team that they played in the second round was just really young and inexperienced. Like, I don't think, like, they're looking at, like, this exact team. They could have just run this team back, Mm -hmm. uh, from last year because, like, all these guys like Evan Turner, Myers, Leonard, Mo Harkless, all those guys were on expiring deals. They mm. could have just said, hey, we made the conference finals. We're just going to run it back. I think Neil just kind of saw an opportunity where, like, okay, this team is is pretty good. Dame, is signed, Dame just signed the Supermax, so he's mm. going to be there probably for the rest of his career now. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we just, you know, maybe need to make some changes. And Hassan Whiteside is a guy... I mean, I'm sure you remember this from when he was a free agent in Miami in 2016. Neil went hard after him. He was the first guy right. that he targeted before he ended up, you know, pivoting to Evan Turner and to the other guys that he signed. He went hard after Hassan Whiteside. He decided to stay in Miami. Mm. But uh, he's a guy that Neil has liked for a long time. And the thing about Neil is he tends to, like, have guys that he likes. Right. That he, you know, wants to get and then can get them. Because remember, he was the GM of the Clippers when they drafted Al Farouk Aminu, and then and then he traded him to the, to New Orleans in the Chris Paul trade, right. and then a few years later when Got he him was back to Portland. when he yeah he's re-signed him, and then uh, Ennis Cantor is another guy in 2015 he signed uh, Ennis Cantor to this huge offer sheet that Oklahoma City ended up matching, but that's a guy that you had kind of known that he liked and was high on, and then when he got bought out by the Knicks, Neil jumped on it. And so right. 
Whiteside is another guy where he tried to sign him a few years ago, and I think he kind of sees him as an undervalued asset at this point just because of how badly the last couple of years have gone for him in Miami. He's like, okay, you know, if we get him into this different environment, Damian Lillard tends to have this effect on people. Like, Yusuf Nurkic is a guy who had a really bad reputation, kind of similar to Whiteside when he was in Denver, where he had a lot of talent, obviously, but he was frustrated because Jokic was playing ahead of him, and he, people were kind of saying, oh, he had an attitude problem, and he was a problem in the locker room. He gets to Den or gets to Portland, Dame immediately kind of sees, okay, this guy is talented, but I really need to take it on myself to make him as comfortable as possible and, like, really make him feel like we want him here and we believe in him here and we, he isn't just here because of, like, it, you know, because somebody else wanted to get rid of him. And, obviously, you've seen how well that's worked out, and Nurkic has legitimately become, like, the third, you know, main guy on the Blazers team. And so I think Hassan, I think, is coming into a situation. You can probably speak better to his basketball fit than I can because you've probably watched a lot more well, of him well, than but, I have. But, but. but that's what I was going to ask you about the basketball fit, though, because he doesn't like to pass, okay? Right. And he wants the ball in the post. And you have two guys there who need the ball in their hands a lot, and they're going to take the majority of the shots. Now, I know he's boys with them, and so that helps that he likes Lillard and McCollum in particular a lot. But I am asking you about the basketball fit because, I mean, you know, you got Damon and McCollum are going to take, what, 40 shots a game? Something like that. North of that? Yeah. So is a guy like – I know you don't know Hassan, but is a guy like Hassan who wants his touches and then is kind of a Bermuda Triangle when the ball goes in there, how does that work with two guards who are as good and need the ball in their hands as much as those two do? Well, I don't know. I mean, wasn't that the book on Ennis Cantor when they, when they got him, too? <laughs> yeah. And then he ended up being an okay fit, at least for that half a season that he was there and then in the playoffs. But I think the idea with this is that they're going to have him for the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. And then once Nurkic comes back, which uh, I don't go over well. I don't know when I don't know when Nurkic is supposed to be back. It's a, it's you know, he had this leg injury. It's I think it's the same injury that Paul George had. And that took mm-hmm. about a full year for him mm-hmm. to come back. But like uh, it's but like. People are thinking maybe January, February, maybe around the All-Star break, maybe a little after. And then, you know, if, if Nurk comes back and he looks okay, then maybe they just flip Hassan anyway at the deadline. Right. Well, and I'm just wondering how Hassan's going to handle that. One more for you. We'll let you go. We're talking to Sean Hyken here at NBA Summer League. Uh, Myers Leonard. Yeah. Uh, w- now, you look at some of the numbers and their offensive rating with him on the floor and the fact that he shot plus 40% from three, not in a lot of attempts last year. But mm-hmm. why was he not playing more? He's inconsistent. Okay. And he just, I mean, he can shoot the three. That's his one really elite NBA skill. For a big man, he can shoot. He consistently shoots, like, high 30s, low 40s from three. That's, you know, that's a skill that he has. But defensively, like, sometimes he's engaged, sometimes he's not. You know, it, he, he has a good body, but he just, like, he still kind of is hesitant to, like, muscle guys sometimes. So it's, it's, just, it's just kind of, like, a thing where, like, he, you know, he, there were times, I mean, in, they moved him into the starting lineup mm-hmm. at, at one point in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And then, you know... He, he was actually pretty good like in those last two games of the, of the uh, Golden State series in the conference finals. And then, uh, <laughs> so here's the ambiance. People are just coming by. Say hello to Chris Haynes. What up, Chris up. Haynes. But so, but yeah, I think, I, I think Myers, is, I mean, Myers is a guy that also, when you want to talk about guys that Neil has early on and believes in mm-hmm. early on, like he got that contract in 2016 basically almost as a way of Neil doubling down on a guy that he drafted that he was like, no, we still believe in this guy. We're going to give him the contract. And I think, I think he wanted Whiteside, and I think he just kind of wanted to make the salaries work, and that was kind of how you do it. But uh, I know I think I think Myers is going to be an interesting fit there. I mean, he's he he definitely provides a different dimension than Hassan because he can shoot threes, and if he can play off a of Bam, who's the guy who yeah. they're projecting as the center yeah. there, that that'll work. How do, go ahead. Uh, I just want to tell your listeners in Miami, 
go on Instagram and follow the Myers Leonard brand account. He has his own clothing brand. Wow. Okay. It's it's uh, you you guys. It's going to become the hottest fashion accessory in South Beach. Well, now that Dwayne's not uh, now that Dwayne's not active, we can go another direction. If he starts selling wine, then we know he's gone the total Dwayne. And his well, no, no, he's not. He's not. He's not going to start selling wine because so C J McCollum has a wine mm -hmm. uh, co company or whatever, and so I like I was joking with Myers about it. Uh, I was like, hey, Myers, you should make Myers Leonard brand wine, too. And he was like, maybe I'll make M ML brand Coors Light. Like, he's definitely more of, like, a, a beer guy, like a domestic beer guy. I don't think he's going to be stepping on Wade's wine corner anytime uh, soon. Yeah, we can't do that. But uh, follow his wife, too, because she's interesting also. She got into it with Hassan oh. a little bit uh, on Instagram about that whole thing about having shooters. Ha Sean, how do people find your work? Uh, follow me on Twitter, at Hiken, H-I-G-H-K-I-N. I write a lot of Bleacher Report. I will be tweeting that out whenever it's out there, and just follow me on there. All right. I'll have to get up there to a few breweries in Portland. Sean, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Yeah. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.